everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing well. Great to be with you, John. Yeah. We're back at it for another round of our podcast. Excited That's right. to be with you. And today, we've added in a special guest, Andrew Herman. Andrew, glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, gentlemen, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I have been on staff at Eagle Brook for eight years uh, and held multiple roles, been a pastor of students uh, for several years and then uh, led a a team over at another location. And then uh, for the last uh, three years, been serving as the campus pastor at our Lionel Lakes campus. That's great. Glad you're here, Andrew. Our belief for this podcast is that when leaders get better, the church gets better. And one of the ways that any and every leader can get better is in the area of communication. So whether you're trying to lead a meeting trying to fire up your team, speaking to maybe hundreds or thousands of people, as you do actually each and every week, Andrew, every person, every person must learn how to become a better and more effective communicator. And really the reason we have Andrew here today is that he's truly one of our best here at Eaglebrook. Seriously. I mean, if you get a chance, go to eaglebrookchurch.com, watch one of our services, just last weekend or the weekend before that. Um, fast forward through all the worship, all yeah, that stuff. You don't that need stuff. that. <laughs> Just to tune into Andrew's spot. That's right. When our online church pastor doesn't cut away. So you got to find True. one of those services too. He's the master. Um, you're not perfect. No, no not you're not. But you are constantly getting better and you're incredibly effective, both in the meetings I see you lead and on the platform. So today we're going to have a conversation around the four attributes of effective communication. So Don, Mm -hmm. why don't you tee up the first attribute for effective communication? Yeah. Number one attribute is connection. So important uh, in your communication that you are connecting as the communicator to the listener, but also that the listener is feeling connected to the communicator too. So uh, I had the opportunity to be the campus pastor for nine years at White Bear Lake. And, And one of the things that helped me to kind of settle in as a campus pastor was to start to think of the attenders as a friend. Mm. Uh, So even if I thought, okay, White Bear Lake, you are my friend. How am I going to communicate to my friend? Well, I'm going to encourage them on days. I'm going to pray for them on days. I'm going to challenge them on certain days. I'm going to actually rib them or we're going to tease each other at certain times. So I always thought if, if I got a boo from the crowd, like I was succeeding, like that was good because we were comfortable with each other enough to kind of give each other a hard time. So of course, whenever the the Bears played the Vikings. I'd have to have some kind of jersey or hat or something that I'd come out because for what in, team? People in Minnesota for the, for the Bears. Oh, yeah. yes. no. <laughs> I mean, because everybody loves the Bears. So yes, when you're in Minnesota, you, you have to make sure everybody knows that. But so we had a back and forth about that all the way through, and I just uh, that helped me to settle in. Mm-hmm. Is when I could talk to the White Bear congregation, the attenders, essentially as a friend, and so that was a way that actually I felt connected to them. And then even as I listen to communicators, I want to listen to people that I respect, that I want to learn from, that I want to even be like. And so one of the most common compliments we get around here at Eagle Brook, we hear it all the time, is when a new attender says, it's like he was speaking right to me. How did he know I was going through that? And I think that's part of that relevant communication where our speakers are so good that they're connecting uh, with the attenders in a really effective way. So so having connection is one of those first attributes uh, of effective communication, I would say. Yeah, that's really good. Andrew, let me turn that to you. What's one way that you try to establish that connection as a communicator? Well, I think, I mean, even going off of what uh, Grafham said was I, I, I walk, before I even walk out, I'm 
telling myself, these are my people. So much like the friends uh, that are there, when I look out, those are my people that I'm looking at, that I interact with out in the lobby, out in our church, when they're serving, wherever that might be. But as I get out there and communicate, uh, I'm trying to share personal experiences. Uh, and maybe it's uh, not the bears, but Come on. go pack go. <laughs> oh. uh, so I'll rib, rib them in that way that uh, I've got half maybe of the congregation of the, of the church that's, generous. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> that's ready for me and cheering on uh, go pack go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll make a connection that way or share about a, a restaurant I just experienced in my, in my announcement or uh, using that as a way to connect and guarantee almost a, a follow-up conversation out in the lobby uh, as I'm sharing some of those personal experiences. Yeah. But I'd say another way that I, I do that is just simply eye contact. Mm. Uh, I, oftentimes I think you can look over people and look past them when you're up on stage and you've you got lights in your face and all those things that you're experiencing. But yet when you look them in the eye, if those are your friends, or if those are your your people, I think eye contact makes a huge difference in connecting with them. Yeah, you're not just trying to communicate information over them. No. You're trying to deliver it right to them and that mm-hmm. you do that with establishing eye contact and looking directly at them. I think that's so important. I'll just add to that. I was at a, a banquet just a week ago and the communicator actually was great content. They were so good at communicating something that I was really interested in, but they read it. And so they never looked up from their the podium. And I, I never really felt connected to the communicator. Now I felt informed, but I didn't feel connected. Yeah. Uh, so it was just a downfall to their communication. Again, effective, but they could have took it to a new, new level, even with eye contact and kind of looking throughout the room. It's interesting. We're so consumed with the information or what we're trying to communicate. We lose sight of the people who need to receive that communication. One little trick I've used when I've given messages or um, had to lead a meeting is I write on the top of my page, most of the time, love the people. Mm, and just right. reminds me to to love that person. It's not about me, it's about them. And so the more you can establish that connection, the better. Let me add one final thing about connection because I think this is one of the things that our um, senior leaders, our teaching pastors do so effectively well. And this has been established by really Bob, our, our senior pastor for many years, is that he tells brilliant self-deprecating stories. And he'll say often that, Every single person can connect with your failure. (laughs) So when you can tell a story about some way you tripped over yourself literally or spiritually or whatever, (laughs) some way that you fell short, if it has humor, Mm -hmm. people connect with that Mm -hmm. because already they look at people who are on a platform. They look at pastors as having some sort of elevated status. How can they Mm -hmm. ever understand Mm -hmm. what I'm going through? When you tell a story with some, some deprecation, or highlight a failure, people connect with that. They do. So anytime you can do that, as long as you don't you know, lose too much credibility through the process, you can really establish connection. So that's the first attribute yeah. of effective communication. But let's talk about the second attribute, which is appreciation. Appreciation. A- Andrew, I'd love to ask you first, um, when you're thinking about communicating something, how do you appreciate or show appreciation to someone through that communication? I think the first is, is it say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can uh, assume that they know that they're appreciated or that they're welcome. You know, that I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you made it out here. Uh, so thank you for coming. Uh, I actually say those things as I'm up on the platform and communicating to people. And, and for me, it's, it's easy because I know they're at our location, they're driving 
from pretty far locations to come to our campus. And so to, to drive that and make that effort uh, for me means a lot. And so for me to be able to say, I don't think there's any better place that you could be than right here on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, or if they're coming to an event, uh, that they would take time out of their schedule to drive to this place in the middle of a cornfield. I can actually say, like, <laughs> yeah, thank yes. you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. And, and thank you for giving. I mean, that's yeah. another area that we are constantly talking about and, and asking people to, to give to the mission of this church. And so when that happens, we get to do what we do because they give. And yeah. so it's easy to say thank you to that. Yeah, it's interesting. We actually don't ask people to give every week, no. which is pretty unique for a church. We don't pass an offering bag. We don't pass a plate. Uh, we do mention it. We we let people know yeah. how they can give, but more often than not, we're showing appreciation to those who do give, and we're reminding them how that giving is changing our church, changing lives within our church, and there's something inspiring and motivating about that. Well, I think even to add to that too, it's just if you are ever as a pastor addressing volunteers, uh, it's like pastoral malpractice if you don't say thank you. Oh, yeah. You know, if somebody got their kids out the house early and they showed up so that they can volunteer and care for someone else or help park a car or hand out a program or serve, serve a cup of coffee, whatever it might be, like we must thank them every time they show up. And I think if we ever take that for granted, we actually have created an offense of some kind. And I've just kind of come to believe that that grateful people are attractive people. Even as I have mentors, they're grateful for their health. They're grateful for the day. They're grateful for their kids or their marriage or whatever. And I just draw near to those people. So again, that kind of goes back to that connection thing. I connect with people that are grateful people. So appreciation, key attribute in communication as well. Okay, connection, appreciation. Let's move on to the third attribute, which is inspiration. Mm -hmm. Now, let me talk about this one for a second, because I think one of the ways that God has uh, wired me is to think constantly about how to inspire people. Not that I'm always great at it, not that I'm always perfectly effective, but I have really young memories of dreaming up the up up these inspirational speeches that I would try to give to like my fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade basketball teams. I have these memories of like dreaming at night, all right, here's the speech I'm gonna give. And I'd go and deliver it at like 3 p.m. after school, right before our middle school basketball game was happening. And they probably weren't incredibly effective, but there was something that was wired in me to think about how to inspire people. And now how that plays out in, in my role today and within even the life of our church is that we're often searching for that perfect mantra or that inspiring phrase that's going to move people along in their journey, or it's going to inspire people to achieve a vision. So some that I've used, and I probably don't have a ton of time to explain all of these, but I've talked about how um, we can play for the pile. And I tie it to the story of being a baseball player and how we dogpiled after winning the championship game and how I'd never experienced a dogpile, mm -hmm. but all these people who had gone before me had. And so they would talk about, man, there's nothing like that dogpile. If we work really hard today, we'll be able to experience that dogpile later. We've talked about, um, just recently I gave a talk about how we can in, um, set people up with an encounter with the divine. You know, more than just a glimpse, people can have an encounter with the divine. And I'm working on thinking about those phrases that become hopefully memorable and clear. Another one that we've used recently in the life of our church is the phrase, hold the line. Mm -hmm. 
and Jason Strand, who is going to be our senior pastor and will be maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, he's really introduced this phrase to inspire us um, to hold the line. And what does that mean? It means that as as faith um, decreases in people's lives, we are going to be the ones who hold the line of faith and point people back to Jesus, no matter what cultural trends are, are showing. So it's so important to be inspirational in our communication. There's many ways to do that. Um, but Don, in all of your years as a, as a leader, how have you seen effective inspiration? Well, the, the mantra thing is important. I think when you can grab a phrase, I mean, even the Martin Luther King, I have a dream. I mean, there it is. You have those things that can really rally a large group of people and, and those phrases do get sticky. I love the hold the line one. I think that's going to be around for a long time. Bob used to say, and still says, there's 50,000 people within a golf shot of our church and we're going to reach them for Christ. And that's kind of been a rally, uh, a rally cry really for our church for a long time. We talk about the importance of protecting the bride, how that's really important for us and making sure that we make decisions that protect personnel or volunteers or even what we say or do. Uh, we often even say we have the greatest mission on the planet. And we even uh, had for a while the, the phrase, we're going to reach 10,000 people for Christ in two years. And these just kind of little phrases are things that motivate people. They inspire people. They're sticky. And I think that those are really what cause people to move toward action. Inspiration moves people to action. Yeah, it does. And I think when you have those phrases, it really helps move even a large group of people, which can be really exciting when people get around that. Yeah. Andrew, anything to add to that? Well, I mean, it is like, like you guys said, it's, it's striving towards something. And, and so if we can give a picture for our people to strive for, uh, what to strive for, how to strive for it. Uh, I mean, one I'm using uh, throughout my time as a campus pastor is I want to help people find their place and find their people. And it's a repeatable, memorable thing that, that they know when I show up into this campus, I know this team is going to help me find a place to serve and use my gifts, but also to find my people that I can connect with. And this really becomes mm-hmm. my church. And so I think, yeah, if we can help our people know what to strive for through something simple as a as an inspirational uh, line or or phrase that that's memorable. It's fantastic. One thing I'll just say to that is I think of the four attributes we're going to talk about, this is probably the toughest because uh, I can connect with people because I care about people. I can appreciate them by saying thank you, and well, I can't ruin the last one. But here, <laughs> this one I do think is tough because not everybody knows how to do it. And so I've had people ask, like, how do you inspire, even how do you cast vision sometimes? And one of the ways I've started answering that is think about the last time you were inspired. You know, what did you think? What did you hear? What did you feel? Was there a phrase, a thought, a way that somebody communicated? Now go do that same thing. And so even just paying attention to inspirational moments or quotes or, or feelings that you're getting, how do you go reproduce that? And I'd love to see that within all our, our pastors, mm-hmm. but any pastor leader that they kind of get that grip of, hey, this is an inspirational moment that I can leverage. And I, I think if you pay attention to when you're inspired, you can repeat that in the future. Yeah. And let's let's talk about another way that people get inspired, and that's through story. Mm. Story is so important in our church. In fact, I often tell people that we need to be story curators, meaning we're constantly listening for stories of life change. Um dramatic ones, certainly also small, seemingly insignificant changes that people have made. Um, we need to hold on to those stories and share them because they're so inspiring. So I would argue that 
almost every single weekend experience that we have, someone is communicating a story of some sort of life change. Why? Because it's inspiring for people. They can identify with that story. They can find inspiration in it. It can inspire them to make a life change of their own. I mean, just recently we showed a, a story of, of Teen Challenge, a ministry here um, in the Twin Cities uh, of people who are recovering from a life of addiction, and that story was so inspiring. Just an all-staff meeting, we shared stories of people who've been invited to church recently, and it just made all the difference in their lives. And so at 10 a.m. on Monday mornings, we, you, you, uh, us three are a part of it, and we're gathering across the interwebs and meeting on Zoom. And what's the one purpose of that meeting? Tyler, who's our executive pastor, is asking our campus pastors to share stories. Mm-hmm. It's not about how a effective maybe that video was or that song was, although we get to that eventually, we he wants to hear stories. Why? Because it inspires us for the upcoming week. So stories are so important mm-hmm. to inspiration. All right. So we've talked about connection, appreciation, inspiration. The fourth and final attribute is information. Now, let me be very clear on this. People generally don't love information. I mean, they'll tolerate it, but only if you've connected, appreciated, and inspired them first. And plus, and we're going to get into this, they'll tolerate it only if it's helpful to them. Mm-hmm. And often, this is what I find with people who are receiving communication, they don't even know it is helpful to them or could be helpful to them unless you inspire them to see its helpfulness first. So Andrew, you're tasked every single week. Every week. Every week. We're trying to communicate some piece of information, you know, whether it's take this next step, join this group, um, come to this event, follow these directions. So how do you effectively communicate information? What I'm always keeping in mind right away is how much time do I have? Uh, that we are limited by time, especially in the, the scope of a service. And so I'm, I'm looking at, okay, do I have a minute and a half? Do I have two minutes? Do I have three minutes? What is it that I've got? And the same goes for when you're given a message. Uh, you have a time frame that you're trying to shoot for uh, to be effective within that time. And so I'm, I'm looking at, okay, if I've got a minute and a half or two minutes to communicate, well, then I'm not going to try to communicate five different things, right. five different points that I want them to hear or take action on. I'm going to choose one. Uh, and so out of the bank of, of things that I've got to communicate uh, based on the time I have and what they need to hear, I'll choose that and, and decide on, how to communicate just that one point. Yeah, that's good. Don, anything to add to that? Well, I I just think there's something about timeliness of information too, because if you give me information that I don't care about at at that time, then I'm not listening. I mean, here's an example is my wife and I just changed a switch on our microwave Mm. because what was happening is if if you open the microwave door and you didn't have the microwave on, it actually sounded like it was on. And it was just the fan running, but it w- the fan would run every time you opened the door. So eventually we watched YouTube, the master of all information, and we figured out how to change the switch. Now it was all of a 10 minute change. But if I were to like open up my computer and show you guys a YouTube clip of how to change a switch on your microwave right now, I mean, you wouldn't get through the first 30 seconds <laughs> before you would throw something to yeah. me. <laughs> so the, the point of that, though, is you have to have the right information at the right time. And and when you want the information about a switch on a, a microwave, then you're, you're dialed in. And so I think it's really important that as leaders, communicators, pastors, you're, you're answering the right questions at the right time. 
And my fear is sometimes I can see a church service where they're not answering a question that anybody's asking right now. And that's when a message is going to go wrong. Yeah, that's good. Well, this is kind of leads us into the next section of this uh, podcast. We've talked about the four effective attributes of communication, okay? Connection, appreciation, inspiration, and information. Hopefully you're all getting that now. But I want to talk about how to get better. Because again, at this point, we're just giving information, (laughs) ironically. And I want to talk about how to actually become a more effective communicator. But first, I got a little story. Don and I have this ongoing joke um, about talking on a phone. Now, I won't give away any ages, but Don is older than me. Um, <laughs> I think he just turned the big five zero. Oh, so yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> won't give anything away. Yeah. Oh, nothing away. But he hates talking on the phone. Now, I'm, I'm millennial, and I actually would rather quickly talk on the phone than text back and forth. No, I think that's how I would think the youth of today. I know. All about I know. The, I'm the sorry. Texting, we're more no, analog and we're just resisting the digital. But, uh, but we have this ongoing joke. So he never answers the, the phone when I call ever. Never. I mean, but he'll respond to a text immediately. That just shows who he is. Well, it's true. Uh, a month ago, we were playing phone tag a little bit. He wasn't answering. <laughs> and Don decided to leave a message on my phone. And in fact, I still have it. It's uh, from well over a month ago. And it's three minutes and 35 seconds. Mm. And you've never listened I've to it. I've never ever listen to it. Why? I don't have time <laughs> to listen to a message. And you did that to be funny. I mean, I'm tempted to play almost a clip from it just so I can listen to it, but it's, important it's stuff probably here. not important. But the point is <laughs> we've got such a limited window of time to communicate with one another. We just live in an age where we want communication instantly at our fingertips. That's why I just refuse to spend three minutes, 35 (laughs) seconds listening to this message. And so we've started using a phrase around here about effective communication. And it's the phrase, master the three. Mm -hmm. Master the three minutes that you've been given. If you can effectively communicate in three minutes or less, you are going to be considered a great communicator. So let's talk about that for a second, that phrase, master the three, Don. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, it really came when I was pursuing becoming a campus pastor. I mean, this is, well, before I became a campus pastor, I went and I talked to other campus pastors throughout the country, which there were very few of at the time. And one of the campus pastors I talked to, I I remember asking the question, can you actually be the lead pastor of a location when you're not giving the message? Because again, the, the idea of campus pastor was not even on the map at that time. And one of his answers was, you you can lead the people that are at your site if you can learn how to master the three. And he says, because if you think about it, you only get three minutes on stage. You only get three minutes often when you're praying for somebody after a service or three minutes in the lobby or three minutes in a huddle. And so you really have to learn how to leverage a small amount of time. You actually have to be better than a person who gets 30 minutes because they get 30 minutes to tell stories and drain (laughs) out all message. But you got to be better than that because you got to communicate in this very short window of time. And, And then he went on to say, if you were to line up all the people at my site, and ask them, who is their pastor? He says, I'm pretty convinced they would say me because I've learned how to master the three, but I've also done life with them by, by standing with them in the waters of baptism or walking to the altar with their, their wedding or even visiting them in the hospital room or standing with them at a graveside. And so he compelled me to become a campus pastor through really mastering the three and learning how to be a, a senior leader without being the, the teaching pastor, which again was really new and still is to some people. Yeah. So learning to master the three important part of communication, 
that I think if you can leverage that, then your leadership will get stronger. Yeah, so let's talk about that. How do you master the three and grow to become an effective communicator? So we're gonna give you three things to end this thing, all right? The first way to grow and become an effective communicator is to identify the purpose in that three minutes that you're given. Why, why are you going to communicate and what are you gonna communicate? And if you don't identify that one purpose, I'm telling you, you're never gonna be effective. So for instance, um, what's a purpose that you've identified in the past that you wanted to communicate, Andrew? Why don't you tell us about an example of that? Yeah, well, the last several months, I've had a focus on invitation and wanting that to be kind of the forefront of, of my communication and of my CP spots that I'm up in front of my people to inspire them to actually invite. But part of that is I, I then have to be inviting. Um, and I also have to utilize stories uh, to, to be able to... Uh, inspire others to invite. And I think one thing that our senior pastor does really well, Bob uh, uses sometimes, maybe it's a life transformation story, but also the mundane stories that he uses to teach a moment and inspire somebody to do that. And so over the last several months, I've been collecting stories, whether in my own life or uh, from our from our campus, and then utilizing that in a spot to to challenge and to encourage people to invite. And so one of those uh, was just this these last few weeks, uh, we had a story of a, of a first grader who came to our church and he had been challenged to invite somebody. And at that time, he, he invited his cousin to come to church for the very first time. And he had his arm around him as, as he came into the space into Elevate and then got into the space, passed check-in and the, was just within earshot of, of the volunteers. And he just shared, he, he kind of yelled it, but just said, this is Elevate. <laughs> And I shared that story uh, on the weekend and to hear the response in that moment uh, to this first grader telling his cousin, this is his church, this is Elevate. Uh, it was such an awesome experience hearing their laughter uh, and then being able to turn that and say, who is that in your life that you need to invite? Who, who needs a fresh experience of church that, that could be invited to this place and you get to show up and bring them to a service for Christmas and say, this is my church. Yeah. And so using a story uh, to elevate the, the purpose of invitation uh, was one of those ways to, to encourage it and yeah, to challenge people to do that. So good, good. You've got a limited amount of time. You've got one purpose. And so you're going to tell a story. You're going to have a clear action step. Absolutely. You're going to inspire people to take that action step with you. And I think this is one of the most common sins of communicators we want to communicate a lot of information and purposes is, Purpose, <laughs> if purposes. that's a word. Yeah. yeah. And man, I've seen so many communicators. They've got 10 things to share in five minutes. And you know how many people remember? Maybe one, maybe none because maybe, you shared yeah. so many. So we are often saying, identify that one purpose. You might have a secondary thing that you have to mention, but you've got one thing that you really want people to know. If you say, if you have three reasons that you're communicating, three pieces of information that you're communicating in three minutes, I'm telling you, no one's going to remember anything. Mm -hmm. no. Just tell them the one thing, the most important thing. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Identify the purpose. All right. Second way to grow and become a more effective communicator is that you've got to practice it out loud. You've got to practice it out loud. And I'd suggest, this is what I tell communicators often, you practice it out loud 10 to 15 times before you give it. And you might be thinking, 10 to 15? Who has time for that? Well, if each communication takes about three minutes, that's less than an hour. 
I mean, I sometimes stare at a wall for an hour. No, I don't do that. I watch TV shows for an hour. I mean, we have time to practice this out loud. And when you do, you kind of develop this muscle and brain memory that will be crucial when you're actually giving the communication. It helps with flow Mm -hmm. and inflection. And as you practice it, you also work out the kinks. And finally, I mean, you often only get one shot to communicate effectively. So preparation is key. And so many of us skimp on preparation because we think we don't have time or maybe we've got it down or we're working it out in our head. But I'm telling you, if you practice out loud, and I do mean sometimes for huddles, which is what we call our volunteer group meetings that happen before services um, or platform communication, you've got to practice it out loud. Now, this looks different for every person. I get that. Um, and Don, you were a campus pastor for many years. What was your practice and rehearsal routine r- routine like before you gave that communication? Yeah. Well, even as I think about it, it's not just campus pastor world. I mean, it's whenever I have a, a short window of time, well, really any time to communicate, honestly, but even especially when you have to be a, efficient in a small window of time, campus pastor life or anywhere that you get just that short window, three, five minute kind of thing. Uh, well, here here would be my pattern is type it up. Uh, and then I would say it out loud and often my day off is Friday. So mowing the lawn or shoveling the sidewalk or even driving around running errands. And at first, when you, when you say, say it out loud, I think we just, we don't even think much about that. But when I first did that, that felt so weird. (laughs) Like it actually took me a while to get over that hump of, can I say something out loud in the car? Cause you're thinking everybody driving by thinks you belong in, in the mental world. And they do. They do. <laughs> they do. And they do. And, they do. <laughs> and I look at people that are singing or doing that too, and I think, yeah, yes, they're right, troubled. But right. but you actually have to get used to that. You mm-hmm. do have to get used to saying it out loud. And I would do that mowing the lawn, literally saying it out. I always wondered what my neighbors thought. And then I, I would say it numerous times, even coming into church. I would definitely say it even during the music often before I would get on stage. So while everybody's singing it, I'm saying it out loud. And how about that, in the room. that experience of giving it to an empty room or two people who yeah. are watching you during what we so call a run-through, a rehearsal? I mean, exactly. how awkward is that? Yes. You know, absolutely. we all had to get over that hump of there's no one in the room. How do Sometimes I communicate this? <laughs> even harder than giving yes, it to a room right. full of a thousand or people or so is the empty room. Yes. That can be just as intimidating or more intimidating. Here's the last thing that I, I still do to this day is I always put a note card in my back pocket and I have three to five words even or just transition so that if I do happen to blank out, which we all have the fear of, that at least I could grab my note card and okay, pick up from there. Uh, and not everybody does that, but that's for me still kind of a bit of a safety blanket. And I, I hope not to use it because I've already rehearsed it enough. Uh, but, but I do have a safety blanket when I'm, when I'm up there. Yep. It's no different for me. You know, when I played baseball, um, I would often take practice swings. There's no pitcher, there's no baseball, but I would visualize a baseball coming down mm-hmm. um, towards me, the batter, and I would take practice swings multiple times before I actually got up there mm-hmm. to hit the baseball and face a pitcher because I'm developing that muscle memory and that mm-hmm. brain memory. And mm-hmm. so it's really no different, um, you know, thinking about it in, that, in those terms. Andrew, how about you? What's your What's your practice or rehearsal or run through routine look like? How do you? How do uh, I get prepared? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, when I'm coaching, even some of the people that fill in, one of the things I say is, don't let the first time you say something be the first time you say something. Mm. Uh, oh, that's good. That uh, as I'm as I'm 
as I've written my spot, gotten it ready, uh, for me, it's, it's while I'm driving to the campus, I'm rehearsing it out loud, uh, which then is, is a moment of awkwardness than when my wife and I carpool together up to church and she's like, I know you Mm -hmm. need to get into your, uh, into your space right now. So, so do your thing. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about me. Uh, so we have that, that rule when we get into the car, if we're driving together, but I'll drive all the way up and I'm rehearsing it over and over. Um, and then in between services, I'm, I'm saying it out loud, uh, pacing back and forth, uh, in the back room or finding a, a spot backstage to just rehearse that. Um, and so I've written it that way. But then one of the things, since you're doing it multiple times in our context, I'm giving that same spot three times in a row. I have to refresh it. Uh, so for me, I can't just not ever say, I'll say it at the nine o'clock service and then not do it again or not refresh it in uh, right before the 11 o'clock. I want to make sure that I, I rehearse it once again and I'm able to, to rehearse that way uh, and be ready to go. So after all that preparation, how do you make sure that your communication comes across as natural and human, yeah. not robotic? That's a great question. I, I mean, even going back to before the preparation, uh, what I do, I, I don't script uh, like Don does. Um, I actually will say it naturally. I know my couple of points, what I want to say, and then I'll, I'll just speak it and I'll record myself either on a voice memo or video or whatever that might be. And I'll speak it. And then I take what I've said and then I'll script that. Uh, so I then know how I'm saying it naturally and how it's coming out uh, so that I can then go practice and rehearse that versus writing very formally and uh, trying to speak those things uh, as I'm rehearsing. Yeah, that's great. All right. Identify your purpose, that one purpose, practice it out loud. And then the third and final way to become a more effective communicator is to ask for feedback. Don, tell us what that means. Well, we do have a, a feedback culture here. Some people love that. Well, everybody says they love it, but I'm not sure they all do. No and, way. And, and I'm not sure I always do either. <laughs> no I way. mean, I like feedback when it's positive, but uh, but we really do have, we have established a culture where people just ask each other, what's one thing I did well? What's one thing I could have done better? And thankfully this just happened a couple of days ago. I was at a service and one of the, the worship leaders you know, asked how it went and he was sitting with all the musicians which I'm always a little nervous about giving feedback in a group setting. But what I had to say was pretty mild. So uh, I told him things that went really well. And then he said, anything that could be better, which I appreciated the question, by the way, that was pretty cool that he asked that. And I said, well, if I could just give you one little thing, I just, you said something that made it feel like you kind of detached from uh, what we're trying to do as a church. And I think if you would say it this way next time, it would just attach you rather than detach you. And he said, oh, that's great feedback. I didn't think about that. And I'll put that in place. And I wasn't around for the next service, but somebody told me, yeah, you made that change and it, it did feel better. So, so what I like about that is that this is a young leader who asked for feedback and then received it really well when I gave it to him. There was no blood on this. Nobody felt personally dinged, I don't think, that I know of. And, and things got a little bit better. So when we're all in it together and we can... Uh, be in it for each other, which is an important part of feedback is I'm not against you. I'm for you. I want it to go best for you. Then, then we all can grow as communicators when we ask for feedback. Andrew, how do you seek feedback? You haven't gotten any feedback being here at the main broadcast location ever, no, right? No, <laughs> no, I, I, I've gotten a lot of feedback, which I'm, I'm grateful for uh, because I've got, I mean, incredible communicators that are communicating our messages each and every weekend that are waiting in the wings, uh, for me to finish my CP spot and, and get out of the way. Um, and so 
I, I actually have those few people uh, that that I trust or that I I know have uh, the overall experience in mind that I can go to and say, hey, what can what do I need to do better? Uh, how can I make that better? What wasn't clear or what needs to be clearer? Uh, and so I go directly to those people as fin- as soon as I finish my spot. I mean, minutes after uh, I'm I'm done with with the stage time and. Sometimes I know exactly what it was. I, I know in my mind where I needed a change, uh, but then to have somebody either affirm that or, or speak into that, I got to have those people. Yeah. So absolutely. it's right after. It makes you a better communicator. Mm-hmm. Guys, this has been really great. Yeah. This has been really great. I, I think um, this will be really helpful for um, communicators, no matter where you are communicating and what context. I know this stuff has been really helpful for me. I mean, the, those four attributes. I mean, if you can really drill down on those four attributes, any communication should have pieces of these four attributes, connection, appreciation, inspiration, and information. If you want to get better, identify that one purpose and go after it. Mm-hmm. Practice it out loud. I mean, actually uh, set the discipline of practicing it out loud and then ask for feedback from some trusted sources and and people that you know who can help you become a better communicator. If people do those things, they're going to get better Mm -hmm. at communicating. But Don, just to sum things up here, public speaking, communicating is one of people's greatest fears. I mean, anytime you see those surveys of like, what do people fear the most? Mm -hmm. Public speaking is way up there, if not number one. So any final thing to add about communicating and how to become a more effective communicator? Yeah, one one thing we haven't talked about is just the mental part of communication, especially public communication. And just like you said, it's it's terrifying for a lot of people. And it, it is for me, honestly, too. I, I've had to battle anxiety a lot in my experience here. Even to this day, when I get asked, can you, can you speak at this or lead this communication piece, my first thought is always, uh, <laughs> isn't there I'm someone sure. else? Yeah. Can someone else do that? I mean, that's my first, I don't necessarily crave the stage or the lights or the microphone. I, I move away from that stuff. And part of it is I just know the inner dialogue and anxiety that I do go through just to prepare for it and, and get ready for it and, and then actually do it. And so one of the, let's just call it a formula that has helped me is preparation plus prayer equals greater peace. And that really is true for me. If I feel like I've done everything I can to prepare and then I do literally just offer to God, like, hey, I've done everything I can, God, you got to take it from here. I can just walk into that moment with a little greater sense of peace, like, now I trust you, and the results are all all up to you. And so I think especially for communicators that battle that or new people that are new to communication, you know, prepare and then pray, ask God to, to intervene in that. And I think you'll have a greater sense of peace as you step into some of those key moments that communicators often do. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's all we got for this episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Andrew, it was amazing to Way have to you go. as a guest Way today. To go. Don, Thanks, thank you for your wisdom as always. And when leaders get better, it's true, the church gets better. And our hope is that no matter how or where you lead in the church, that you will continue to grow in your abilities so that so that your church, wherever you are leading from, will reach more people for Christ. So if you haven't already, We'd love for you to subscribe or follow us on Apple, Google, or Spotify podcast. We'll be posting a new episode every single month. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.